I mean, when I was in college, when I was in college, we used to sit around and be like, I think that there's like, I think those lights we saw the other day were aliens. We'd all sit around and like, oh, did you know that the so and such hall is uh, is haunted? Like, yeah. No, I was there one night and I totally heard something. And I'm not, and I'm like, yeah, because we were bored and like it made life more interesting. <laughs> yeah. But now I'm an adult <laughs> who grew up with the Berenstain Bears. And even though I knew people mispronounced them when I was a kid, it doesn't mean that the universe was different. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Although Oscar Meyer and Oscar Mayer, I mean, nobody calls it Oscar Meyer, so. There is some sort of conspiracy there. But that's how they pronounce it in the song. They call it Ask Oscar Mayer or Meyer? Meyer. Okay, so that's, yeah, I, and then that leads you to believe it's M-E-Y-E-R. That's oh, it. I see what your point yeah. is. Right, 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 right. It is spelled weird. Yeah. But again, the language is full of weirdly spelled, pronounced words. It doesn't mean that there's like a vast conspiracy trying to keep us out from our regular universe. Phil, don't take away this baloney conspiracy. It's the only thing (laughs) keeping me going. If we didn't have baloney conspiracies, we would have no conspiracies. Pretty much, yeah. Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and let's talk about drugs. Let's talk about uppers, downers, uh, lefters, writers. I don't know anything much about drugs, uh, but everything I do know about drugs, I learned in the 1980s when I was a kid, and everything I learned in the 1980s about drugs was that A, drugs are bad, and B, drugs are only dealt by the worst scum of the universe. And they're always identifiable by the clothes they wear, the attitude they cop, and the things they say, which are usually fairly creepy. The 1980s was a time where we learned to just say no from Nancy Reagan, and then we learned that just saying no wasn't enough to stop anyone from actually doing drugs. So this week's book is 1993's The Berenstain Bears and the Drug-Free Zone. It's a big chapter book, and not only is it a big chapter book, it is the first big chapter book, but I haven't covered it yet since it actually stands out from the rest of the pack. It's very much unlike the other big chapter books. I think it's because it was the first one written. Uh, kind of the it was kind of a rough draft of the idea. It's illustrated differently, and it actually incorporates a lot of elements of the TV series from the 1980s. So it feels more like a last episode of the Saturday morning cartoon than the first volume of the big chapter books. But of course, a book this serious, a book this impactful and powerful, I could not even dream of doing alone. And so, I have brought someone to talk being drug-free with me. You know him as the co-host of Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space and the High and Low Akira Kurosawa podcast. He is also a major anti-drug enthusiast. Please welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen, Joel Torres. Hello, Joel. Hello. Remember, don't do drugs. Remember... Don't do drugs. drugs. If we learn nothing else tonight, ladies and gentlemen, please learn. Don't do drugs. Don't. Hey. Hey, listener. Just don't do drugs. Just don't do them. Yeah. I I am actually uniquely uh, qualified for this this particular book. I I don't know if you know this about me, but uh, when I was in the, uh, let me think about this, the uh, eighth grade, I believe, Mm-hmm. Uh, middle school, I uh, got the Outstanding Student Award in the Be Cool program. Are you aware oh my... of Be Cool? I, I didn't even know there was such a program. Yes, it's the follow-up to the D.A.R.E. program for uh, older students. Wait, wait, it... you graduated from D.A.R.E.? Well, you know, uh, once you once they kick you out of the fifth or sixth grade, depending on whichever <laughs> one you're on, then then you know you you can't be in dare anymore. I guess that's that's when you start to be the influencer instead of <laughs> the influencee. I didn't know that dare was structured like menudo, like they would kick you out when you hit a certain age. Pretty sure, pretty sure. But be cool stands for be educated to control our own lives. See, you leave the two out, and then it's be cool. Wait, Some, that makes. That is the most complicated... Wait. Somebody thought this up. Be educated. Why didn't they make the two a number two, and then it could be called, like, be too cool? I guess that's... Like, be... You're you're just too cool, man. Like, be too cool. (laughs) The people who came up with this were in their late 50s. I don't... 
think. Well, I also think it's been like statistically proven that like the Dare program has absolutely no impact on whether or not kids use drugs. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, um, I, I'm not a drug user, and I have basically not been. I, I'm, I'm one of those squares, which is mm-hmm. which is fine with me. But uh, I didn't know anything about drugs, <laughs> and and then the Dare program comes along. It's like this is what you need to look out for. This is what's going on. This is what it does to you, and it also ruins your life. I'm like, oh, okay, those are drugs. Interesting. Well, I always learned, I mean, the way we were taught when I was a kid was that drugs were going to be, like, severely pushed on you by, like, your local bully, like, your school bully. Uh, yeah. It was always going to be an older kid. You were going to be, like, 10 years old, and they were going to corner you and just force you to do drugs and give them money for bags full of pills. Like, that's yeah. that was drugs. Like, it never the, – the notion of recreational drug use as a kid was never explained to us, like – I, actually, I think this book does a better job explaining like why people try drugs in the first place than like anything I was ever given as a kid. Even though this book still falls a little bit off the mark, it's at least a little more even-handed than a lot of the anti-drug messaging I got as a kid. Yeah, and it's not. It doesn't uh, go to the extreme of like this person took those pills and now they're dead kind of thing, right. which I, I feel was a lot of the material. Like we. We oh, do you, see drug use in this, though, which is crazy. Yes. Like, I, I wasn't expecting to actually see a cub on drugs. Oh, and... if anyone was going to do it, it was Scuzz, obviously. <laughs> right. I mean, with a name like Scuzz, you got to be on drugs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also wasn't expecting this to be as twisty and turny as, like, an episode of Miami Vice. Like, it... Oh, yeah. It's got, like, a real sting operation going on. Like, this is a... This this book has it has a lot of callbacks to previous uh, Berenstain Bear adventures, and uh, it could very well have been the last Bear Detectives episode if things had taken a turn. But, wow, the Bear and Stain Bears in the drug-free zone. Let's just get right into it. Let's talk about this, this book that is so well-known among people who like weird children's books. All right, I'm pumped. All right. <laughs> uh, full, full of good, good chemicals, not drugs. Yes, oh. yes. We are pumped full of enthusiasm, which is the greatest drug of all. Absolutely. Unless you're, like, actually sick, then, like, whatever you've been prescribed. That's the greatest drug. Medical-grade enthusiasm. <laughs> I'm going to—I should start a podcast called Medical-Grade Enthusiasm, <laughs> where I just excitedly cover things that most people feel very, like, neither here nor there about. Oh, uh, yeah. So, anyway, we start off uh, in bear country, and we get a little rundown of some of the problems that bear country faces. Uh we have Ralph Ripoff, we have the Beartown Traffic, and we have the uh, the Bog Brothers. What are your thoughts on the Bog Brothers? Well, I was going to ask you, is the, are these characters that have appeared in other stories? Well, the Bog Brothers I've never seen before. I thought that they were from the cartoon, but then I went back and I'm like, oh, I don't know if the Bog Brothers actually were in the cartoon. Okay. Uh, Ralph, Ralph Ripoff was. Uh, he was he was known as Raffish Ralph on TV, right. and he was just like the local con artist as he's portrayed in the book he's just a con artist but the bog brothers know they're just sort of thrown in here as like bear country's backwoods hicks yeah back backwoods scum <laughs> like, yeah, like, really you're are. always polluting and shooting endangered species like whoa <laughs> yeah, it's like a family is a family of identical i don't even know how to describe this like these are like appalachian bears like from like the depths of like the mountain country and apparently all they do is pollute and shoot endangered animals yep which i guess you know what else are they going to do they live in a swamp they're like the uh how the canadians are represented in twin peaks you know it's yeah. just, just <laughs> evil side i guess i think this book might be the closest we come to the twin peaks it's the, it's the most twin peaksy we get of bear of bear country because of the way like it portrays like it's sort of a dark reflection of like suburban life and small town life and yeah. you have and you have a forbidden bog. Yep. Uh, I'm sorry, the forbidden bog. That's just, um, yeah, tells you everything you need to know about that place. Well, it tells you everything you need to know about the Bog Brothers. A, bog is actually their name, and B, they're forced to live in a forbidden bog. Like, what else are they going to do? They're going to have to turn to a life of crime eventually. Yeah, seems like they they weren't given much of a chance. <laughs> we're going to throw you in the bog, then we're going to name you after the bog. Have a good life. 
Let's see, well, uh, even looking at these first couple of pages here, just okay. So, like you said, Ralph Ripoff, he's playing that card game. You know, that's that's against the law. Then we got traffic jams, and then just like launch up into the stratosphere. <laughs> like, right, right. Seriously, we're killing bald eagles. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> yeah, they they literally are. They they shoot. What is it? Bald eagles and uh, alligators, Cro- and crocodiles, endangered, yeah. endangered crocodiles. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's like three major major crimes in Bear Country. There's like three card Monty, some traffic, and then these deranged hillbillies that live <laughs> in a bog. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so it's a little bit of foreshadowing. We don't see the Bog Brothers again for most of the rest of the book. But uh, just put a pin in that. We're going to get back to them eventually. Yep. Yeah, we've got a, we get this uh, fiery town meeting um, that's being held. The, every bear in bear country goes to this town meeting. And there's a, a major announcement is made by, uh, by uh, police chief Bruno, which is that drugs have been discovered. Illegal drugs have been discovered in one of the lockers in bear country school. They were hidden in there and padlocked in there. And they are... Drugs known as happy pills. You know, my only reference to town meetings other than this particular book is Gilmore Girls, where uh, <laughs> every, everyone in town seems to attend. And with with a subject this important, I I think that, uh, you know, if every week they're hashing out terrible things like this, I think I'd be attending them too. Yeah, it sounds pretty thrilling. But, uh, they, they find a padlocked locker... And they immediately break that lock open to see what's inside. There might be something kind of fishy going on on that side, too. But I think it's more important that they found these happy pills. Well, I also think it's funny that the the town meeting was announced, but there was no uh, indication of what it was about. Don't tell anyone about the drugs. Well, yeah, yeah, they're trying to keep the insider or the uh, the outsiders. They're trying to do something. Yeah, Yeah, I'm like, are they trying to keep, like, if you're possibly a drug user, keep you from being scared off because they don't make any busts here at the town meeting it's just a town meeting it does kind of seem like they're trying to keep certain things on the down low you know except for uh one of the results of this meeting is that they place drug-free zone signs around the town yeah they actually like in install public signage that say drug-free so they yeah there's like a they they say like they're gonna they they declare a drug-free zone around the school and if you are caught dealing or buying drugs within the zone you get twice the twice the legal penalty if you if you then if you had dealt drugs outside the zone yeah and as somebody who lived through the 80s and 90s this actually is a thing oh you had a drug-free zone yeah, I mean, we live close enough, uh, where where I live uh, is close enough to Los Angeles that, you know, we we have, uh, you know, a certain level of gang activity in our county. So mm-hmm. I definitely have seen signs that are like, no drugs in this area, like, like I don't know, <laughs> like it was some sort of negative force that was going to keep the pushers out of our schools or something like that. Well, and I think Mama makes a good point. She's like, well, then they'll just... Deal drugs outside the zone. Any kid who wants drugs is just, will walk the 10 feet and get outside the zone. Which is very reasonable for her it to, is. to even say, yeah. Uh, which I, I which I appreciated because I, I like the fact that this book kind of sets up some of these don't-do-drug tropes, some of these ideas that communities are coming up with, and then kind of just knocks them down. Like, just shows that, like, this isn't necessarily the way to deal with this issue. And I respect that. You know, it shows to me that Stan and Jan had, had put a little bit of thought into uh, into their into their messaging. Drugs, impossible, shocking, gulp. Yeah. So the so the people in the the people in Bear Country are are just taken aback by the fact that illegal drugs are uh, have been found within their school within their town. Uh, we don't know what happy pills are exactly. We do know that they apparently make you happy. I'm going to assume there's some kind of upper. Yes, that's what I also assumed. And they're red, which I usually associate with that. Right. Let's take the red pill. Like these no, are the one... pills <laughs> These are the pills that are <laughs> these are the pills that are gonna show the kids the truth. Take the pseudofit, it'll make you happy. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, there was an episode of Different Strokes where uh there was a drug dealer on campus and uh, I saw this when I was a kid, and I just remember the drug dealer pulling aside Arnold and trying to get him to buy drugs. And the way he said it is he's all these he's like here, I got some drugs for you. He's like, these drugs? He points to one of the pills, and he goes, this one will take you up. Then he points to another one, and he goes, and this one will bring you back down. 
And like, I guess like, I, as a kid, I thought that was an unusual thing to do. I'm like, well, if you're, why would you take one and then just take the other one? Like, you just I don't understand why you would take drugs in the first place if you're just going to immediately take the antidote. Oh, Phil, you don't understand. You can't be too high. You'll you'll burn up in the sun. <laughs> well, either that or like they were like kids. We can't explain what a speedball is to or a goofball is to a kid. <laughs> so uh, we'll just leave it at this. But yeah. There's a mysterious – oh, oh, we we also find out that Papa Bear experimented a little bit in his youth. That was shocking. <laughs> I mean, they just come right out and say it. Uh, but it's, all, it's also okay because it's it's almost realistic. It is. Uh, Papa Bear is, like, bad-mouthing drug users, and Grizzly Gramps and Grand are there, and Gramps is like, well, I once knew a young cub who uh, got caught smoking Johnny Smokers out behind the barn. <laughs> and then we get to, we find out that Johnny Smokers are, there's are a type of seed pod that you could smoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, uh, I mean, it doesn't help that, I mean, Dad could have played this off air, Papa Bear. But he knew exact. He he goes into detail on exactly how to prepare <laughs> yeah. your Johnny Smokers, which is you can't walk back from that at this point, buddy. No, this is a real Tim Allen moment. Like this is the uh, this is the marijuana episode of Home Improvement where the kids were like, "Wait a minute, Dad, we heard you did drugs when you were a kid," and he's like, well, yep. "Yeah." <laughs> Except Papa Bear got in less trouble than Tim Allen. Like Tim Allen, I think like, well, maybe he went to, he went to jail in real life. Maybe he didn't go to jail on the show. <laughs> Well, no, nobody says things like that to Papa Bear, I assume. You know? Right. But he describes it, he says, you let them dry out, light them, smoke them, and, uh, well, hmm. Mm. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, right. He wasn't going to go into the effects of Johnny uh, Smokers. At least that's what I heard. Uh, <laughs> right. And then you're riding the Reed and Rainbow. Whee! No. <laughs> you're on a magic carpet ride, kids, and you ain't never coming down. Yep. But, uh, yeah. So he, he can too much candy. Oh, wait. Uh, <laughs> He concedes that uh, he concedes that not doing drugs when you're a kid isn't the easiest thing. That like, that's what the whole argument was about. He's like, yeah, well, you know, maybe maybe the maybe things aren't so black and white as people tend to paint them. And I did like the fact that they said like Papa Bear, you know, he experimented around when he was a when he was a young cub. Like that that's re- they, like you said that's realistic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you don't want to be a hypocrite about this. It, it could have all just been fire and brimstone when it came to like the, even the concept of doing drugs, and uh, they they have that you know it's a nice little honest moment, and uh, you know Papa is rather gruff about like all you have to do is say no and that's it, but uh, it, it seems uh, based on the other episodes I've listened to, Mama Bear is a bit more of a reasonable voice in that situation. Right, right. She's gonna she's gonna usually come down on the more even handed side, but uh. They they talk Papa down usually by the, usually at this point in the story he's not he's still like on his high horse but he got knocked off that pretty quickly and in fact Mama and Papa don't come into play much in this book after the beginning our our moralizers are the local doctor and the local police police chief yep yeah which are the kind of people that in dare they would tell, be telling you to talk to oh really yeah. Because, One of my friends, you know, we, we got those commercials where, uh, you uh, you know, Dad finds that thing under the bed, and I learned it from him, so. Oh, that's right. That's right. Parents who use drugs have kids who use drugs. That's right. That's right. And they, um, grow mustaches like that guy. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty 80s stash he had. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. I've been hooked to ibuprofen ever since. <laughs> I saw you take them. Man, if I, if I did everything my dad did, I'd... I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be hosting this show. I'd, I'd be very successful at my, my <laughs> job. I'd have a well-paying job. I'd be retired and have good benefits. Um, yep. Actually, and that nothing drugs anything to do with that. That's all temperament. I'm sorry, Dad. Um, uh, but then we have a, a mysterious bear moves into town. Uh, they keep referring to him. At, he 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 rents the room at Ms. McGriz's house, and they keep referring to him as the rumor, which is kind of like a weird thing to call. A tenant, like a rumor, because I mean, it sounds like rumor. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's it would be fine if he was just the mysterious rumor. He's just the rumor. He's just the renter. Yeah. But he's specifically the ugly rumor. He's the, <laughs> which is such a double meaning, but that doesn't really come into play. No. Like spreading ugly rumors is a thing. He's an ugly rumor, but I, I wonder if they were trying for a play on words, but. 
No, I think they just thought ugly was the the perfect uh, describing. Uh, <laughs> and he's not even ugly. He just has a big scar on his face. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't look that different when you look at the drawings of him other than being overly excited most yeah. of the time. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's wearing a long trench coat. He has like a slouch hat and he has a big scar on his face. And the, and the Cubs are automatically just like, I think that guy's the drug dealer. I think he's the drug dealer. Because the Cubs are now like, maybe we should like take this case on, figure out where the drugs are coming from. Because, and they, they make a reference to the fact, like, is it time to get the Bear Detectives back together? And that's a real callback to the older Berenstain Bear books where we used to have the Bear Detectives. And they would solve, like, the missing pumpkin and, like, uh, you know, like, just really simple little kid cases. And this time they're going to take on a drug kingpin. Yeah. <laughs> which they acknowledge is dangerous. Well- when you say when you put it like that, it does seem like a much bigger deal. <laughs> it is. It's a big deal. Like they get called out by the cops for it later on for like <laughs> meddling in the in like meddling in like serious affairs. Yeah, and they do. They even reference like this is much. This is much more different than uh, a missing pumpkin situation. Yeah, I think it is. And so the Cubs are like, well, maybe it was. The, maybe he's. Maybe the ugly rumor is the is the drug dealer. And brothers like. He probably didn't come into our school and put drugs in a locker. I think we would have recognized him uh, as someone. <laughs> as someone who was there, it's, it's pretty clear. He's pretty clear headed. He's like, mm, I don't think he's the he's the guy who put the drugs in the locker. Which is when they come up with the idea that it might be Too Tall and his gang. They go back to this uh, the shady looking gentleman in the trench coat, though. Uh, the, there is a part of this book that actually made me laugh. Oh yeah, which is uh, when uh, sister says uh, he's at least a prime time suspect. Brother says you mean prime suspect. Sister says no, I mean prime time. He looks just like the crooks on television. I was like, okay, that was actually pretty good. That's solid. That's solid. <laughs> yep. No, it really is. Uh, you get they, you get some banter between brother and sister and fr- cousin Freddie in this book. That's that's uh, a little more elevated wit wise than we usually get in the Berenstain Bear books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can see that they're like really trying to like they're they're making it a little more TV showy, like with them just talking. I see. Yeah, yeah. Actual. Yeah, they did a really good job of m- making me interested in what what's going on with the uh, detective work and stuff like that. And um, it seemed like older episodes, you guys, uh, you and your guest hadn't really know what. Uh, cousin freddie was all about right this one shows him to be a pretty uh capable little dude yeah the the chapter books have really gone a long way to actually giving cousin freddie a character which Mm. in the in the storybooks like he wasn't even a nerd in the storybooks he was just the third cub and they've turned him into like the bookish nerd he's a victim of too tall he's a bit of a know-it-all a bit of a well actually guy uh (laughs) He really is, and uh, and at one point he and Sister Bear go to on it go go to the dance together, which is weird. Um, we don't like to think about that. Hey, people go to dances with their cousins. <laughs> I guess she honestly could have asked any other cub in the school. Yeah, well, okay, that's true. <laughs> so, uh, hey, Scuzz, what are you doing Friday night? <laughs> oh, don't go out with Scuzz. And we're just about to find out why going out with Scuzz is a bad idea. All right, um, Vincent. <laughs> well, they run into Ralph Ripoff on the street again. He's being busted for three-card Monty. And uh, he proposes to the Cubs that they come over to his house to earn a little extra money. Mm-hmm. He'll put them onto something, shall we say, interesting? Yeah. Yeah, see? And I think that's actually how he talked in the cartoon. I think he was actually a bad... I think he was actually a bad W.C. Fields impression. Ah, oh, I see. My little chickadee. Yep. I think he talked like this, Cubs. And mm. uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think I'm 99.9% certain it was Frank Welker doing the voice. Oh, boy. Uh, I think Frank that's... Welker did, like, half the voices on that cartoon. Yeah, this got him another uh, series of Picassos for his house. Huh? Yeah. Right. <laughs> So Ralph. what do you want me to do on this one? Can oh, you yeah. do W.C. Fields? <laughs> sure, I can do W.C. Fields. You bother me. All right, that's great. Usually I only do Megatron and animal sounds, but yeah, I'll do that. That's fine. <laughs> he, can, he can pull out other characters. He's got, a, he's got them in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Frank Welker. He was a real Ghostbuster. This, uh, this also, uh, this part where uh, Ralph first enters the story, answered a question I have long had. 
Yeah. Which is, uh, what is the purpose of fingerless gloves? And according to Ralph, it is, the better to pick your pockets, my dears. <laughs> just but joking, just joking. Yeah, he's just joking because he would never hurt a cub. Of course. That is his, that's his thing. That's, that's where he draws the line, I guess. Uh, and, and for those of you who've never seen Raffish Ralph or Ralph Ripoff, as he's known in the books, uh, he's dressed, he's wearing like a, like a, what do you call it, like a straw boater hat. And, uh, yeah, he's he's got a very Buster Keaton hat on. Yeah, and he has a cane, and he's very much like a 1930s con artist. Mm. Like he looked like he just stepped out of Paper Moon. One of those. Uh, uh, what, um, what is the word I'm looking for? It's not. It, uh, 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 never mind. <laughs> never mind. I was trying to think of a. It, it's not a vagrant. It's not a homeless person. It's it's a very specific word. Yeah, because Ralph's no vagrant. He's no yeah. homeless. We get to see his fancy home pretty soon. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a person that uh, rides the rails and, and does a con and then leaves. He just Not looks a tr- like a con man. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a con man. Uh, he, he's your local con man. Why does anyone play three-card Monty with him? There's like 500 people in bear country. They all know he's a swindler. No, Ralph, this time you won't trick me. Yeah, his name is literally Ralph Ripoff. Like I guess back like in like hundreds of years ago that was that was his like ancestors like job. <laughs> and like that like they kept the name. No, they changed it at El- at Bear Ellis Island. Silence. It was Ripoffovich. Right. <laughs> oh, son of the ripoff. Yeah, that's correct. Well, speaking of I don't know, crashing and burning, here comes Scuzz. <laughs> yeah, this is when it like gets serious. Yeah, this is this is where this is where the book. So right up to this point, I was like, okay, this is going to be a book where it's actually about like there's actually no drug problem in Bear Country. Everyone's kind of like taking this way out of. At, at the end of the day, you're going to find out that it was actually nothing. That it was all a big. Nope. Here comes Scuzz, blasted out of his mind on happy pills, riding yeah. Queenie McBear's stolen bike that he crashes into Officer Marguerite's squad car. Now, the funny thing is they treat this like, a, a, like uh, particularly the stealing of Queenie's bike as a big deal. I don't take it to be that out of the uh, question that a, the two tall gang might swipe somebody's bike for a while at least. Uh, like and take it for a joyride? Yeah, at least. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, uh, Scuzz crashes it into a police car. That's, <laughs> right. that's a little different. He crashes it hard. He ends up in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those of you listening at home and playing along, Scuzz is our too tall gang member who wears the hoopy cap. And the hoopy cap ends up on the handlebar of the bike. It gets knocked clear off his head. Yeah, luckily it doesn't get a hole in it. Although luckily, I can't say the rest for the or the same for the rest of his clothes. His jeans are just ripped at the knees. Right, he, they were not ripped at the knees before he crashed, so I can only assume that he must have, like... How do you rip up your knees that bad crashing into a police car? I don't know. And like, look at look at the bike. He bit it hard. Oh, yeah, that car... That bike is... It, like, the, the spokes are all out. The, the front tire is a figure eight. It gets a... Like, all, all, all Brother does is offer to bring it back to Queenie. He says he pushed it back to... All the way back to school. I'm like... I've, I think they said something about him having to buy her. Uh, he, he, they say something about Scuzz having to buy her a new bike, and I hope so because the thing is, it's done. It's wrecked. You cannot drive this thing again. Yeah, later at the hospital, they do say that Scuzz is going to have to buy her a new bike, but I think Scuzz has got a whole bunch of other problems he's going to be dealing <laughs> with. Because brother finds on the ground, having fallen out of Scuzz's back pocket, a bag, a full of drugs. Mm-hmm. Those little red magical happy pills, which he knows are bad. They're bad. They're totally bad. And what's the what's the one thing you should do if you pick up evidence from the scene of a crime? Keep it. Absolutely. Stick it right in your back pocket because you never know when you might need a bribe. I mean, uh, you might need to hand it to the proper authorities. <laughs> now, this was the point where I also thought I was like, oh, no, brother's going to get caught with the drugs in his pocket. Like, I was seriously worried this was going to be, like, a, a plot point. But no, he just carries drugs around with him this entire story. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. carefree. I mean, it, the funny thing is nobody nobody says boo to him about not doing that. <laughs> uh, you know, Cousin Freddy and sister are right there, and nobody's like, hey, maybe you should just, like, leave those or give them to the police officer. 
Right, he tries to give them to Officer Marguerite, but says, but she was already pulling away in her car. And I'm like, then call the, like, or flag her down. Like, she's not, this, the, you, you, this is a small town. Like, it shouldn't be that hard to get drugs to the police. And, yeah. and uh, but nope, he carries around. He carries them in his pocket. And by the end of the story, they're probably all soft and warm. <laughs> like, it'd probably just be gross. You wouldn't want to take those things anyway. I imagine a lot of things happen when uh, you put things in a bear's pocket that would end up in an de- undesirable situation. <laughs> well, the next chapter we find uh, Brother gets some evidence. Uh, to, he catches, he has a camera, he, has, he borrows Freddy's camera, and he follows Tutal, uh under the, under the grandstand at the football field, and he catches a picture of Tutal. <sighs> I mean, as far as the picture is concerned, it looks like Tutal is buying drugs off our uh, trench-coated, ugly rumor guy. Seems to have it all wrapped up. He, ju- he took one photo in the right uh, right situation. It's pretty hard to deny. We we see a little plastic bag in Tutal's hand and money. We see. We find out later. There's also money changing hands. Yeah. And again, this is the one where I'm like, well, because he wasn't actually there, we're gonna find out this wasn't really drugs. Like, in my head, I'm just like, this couldn't actually be drugs. First of all, because they're not going to have Too Tall, who's one of our main characters in Bear Country, be the head of a drug-dealing gang. <laughs> like, that's just not going to happen. Uh, so, obviously, this is all a big misunderstanding. And sure enough, Too Tall doesn't have any drugs on him when Brother confronts him about it. Yeah, it seems like a pretty big deal, like, even for, like, the most notorious bully in the school. I mean, yeah. He, he usually doesn't seem to get past the occasional roughing up and, uh, uh, you know, verbal abuse in in most situations, I, I assume. Yeah, he's a bully. He's not a drug dealer. Like, those right. are two different things. Like, that's two different, like, roles in the school's, like, chessboard. Yeah. Can you imagine, as an adult, <laughs> if you you were looking to acquire drugs and you had to go to a person you absolutely hated every time that treated you like crap? Right. The bully, the guy who's like going to like physically assault you, that you the guy who you like eventually like have to like resort to fisticuffs just to deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. He's not he's not a good he's not gonna be a businessman. <laughs> you wanna buy drugs, you're so lame. Uh how much? <laughs> right, no, a drug dealer is gonna be like the guy who like tries to get you to trust him and like be cool and like relaxed and unassuming. Like that's the drug guy. Like I knew who the drug guys were at my high school. Precisely. Yeah. Trust is key. Yeah, they weren't going around pushing people into lockers. Yeah. They were avoiding those hallways because they didn't want to be caught in the middle of anything. Exactly. So the Cubs are all befuddled. Like they don't know what's going on. Uh they think that Tutal has to have hid the drugs that he bought because there's no way he doesn't have the drugs on them. They go and visit Scuzz to get him to confess where he got the drugs from, but he ain't talking. So then they ask Dr. Gert Grizzly if if there were, which, as 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 my girlfriend pointed out, this completely violates HIPAA. Yeah, uh, they <laughs> yep. go up to they go up to Dr. Grizzly and they just ask her, were there drugs in Scuzz's system? And she's like, I'm sorry to say there were. Yep. Here's the chart, uh, medical history. <laughs> yeah, she does. She, like, taps his charts. I've got his blood test results right here. You kids can keep a secret, right? <laughs> like, dude, this is the most unethical thing a doctor could possibly do. Yeah. Just tell anyone who walks into their office the test results of a, of a child in the neighborhood. I mean, that's there's already going to be some bad rumors going about. I actually feel kind of bad for Scuzz at this point, but... Yeah, he was just a, he's just a cub trying to have a good time. Yeah. And, like, his probably his what is his best and most trusted friend, Too Tall, probably gave him these things. He didn't know. Yeah, Too Tall sell him out in a minute, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Throw scuzz under the bus. D- did you say that the art in this book is different than the other? The art in this chapter book, there's a lot more of it than there is in any of the later chapter books. There's a lot of, like, word bubbles and... Yeah. Uh, it's a lot more involved. Like it's more like watching. It's very cartoony. The other, the later chapter books, they're just they're very much just like pictures you would see in a chapter book. Oh, I see. Well, man, I was gonna say they, I like. I'm rather impressed with some of the stuff, like the uh, scene where brother is taking a photo of the two underneath the bleachers is yeah. actually like really cool. 
Yeah, this is, I believe, this book was still illustrated by Stan and Jan. The later books are done by Mike. Uh. And uh, Stan and Jan just really had an eye for, like, cool layouts. I mean, because they were illustrators. Their original profession was, like, illustrators, like, for magazines and stuff. So their eye for uh, for framing and for setting up, like, a cinematic image is, is, pretty, is pretty spot on. It's pretty great. Um, uh- Another cool art part comes during the conversation with the doctor, and I believe you, uh, I saw a photo of this on your, uh, on, I can't remember if it was Facebook or whatever, but yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, What's up with that? So, well, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Grizzly gives them a pretty fair assessment of what recreational drugs are, and like why we don't want kids doing recreational drugs. And it's, it's basically your boilerplate, don't do drugs talk, but. A little more even-handed. Like, she's like, you know, like, the problem with drugs is that they, you know, they make you feel a certain way, and they mess with your head, and eventually they can become addictive, and that's bad, like, especially for cubs. Like, they pull you away. I like the way they frame it. They say, basically, they pull you away from doing your job as cubs, which is getting an education, having fun, uh, hanging out with your friends, like, doing those kind of things. They they take you away from that. But... (laughs) She's talking about how they can hurt your brain. And there's this four-panel comic strip that isn't related at all to what she's saying. Oh, oh, wait. This isn't a character that's in the rest of the series? <laughs> no, this guy does not appear in any other Berenstain Bear book that I know of. He's Well, describe, describe this man to us. Okay, first of all, I describe this almost as like a a, a Mad Magazine style clip here. What ends up in here, but this is, um, it's a almost a normal Berenstein bear body. It's got the like the fuzzy looking fingertips and the regular legs, but on top is um massive, just a massive brain, like yeah. the same size as the body or not. Or maybe bigger, with a face in the a front. human face. Yeah, nose, eyes, eyebrows. Because we got to show how chill this brain is. He's talking about, you know, he doesn't see what the big problem with drugs are. But just in case we didn't know he was the brain, though, mm-hmm. his shirt says the brain on it. Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, I've been and, misreading. I thought that said the Brian. No. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> hey, guys, would you call me the Brian from now on? <laughs> no, no, I need the. <laughs> so his first, it's this little four-panel strip. And in the first one, he is just chilling. He is relaxed and happy. And he says the greatest line of any character in a Berenstain Bears book, which is, would you, would you say it for me? Uh, let me think. Uh, proper brain voice. What's all the fuss? I do drugs sometimes. <laughs> I love it. I just love it. It's, it's like, hey, what are, you, what are you getting on me about? Yeah, I do drugs sometimes. Hey, so man, I can, I can quit any time I want. <laughs> and then he says, and it's absolutely no problem. Oh, you I got, make- a, uh, I got <laughs> underline. Underline yep. under no problem, okay? <laughs> and then the third panel, he's kind of having some kind of episode and he says yeah oh i may get a little over relaxed at times but it's no problem (laughs) which i don't know what that means like i don't understand like does that mean you fall asleep like i can't i don't know what that like what what it's implying like the biggest thing about doing drugs is you get over relaxed like that's why people do drugs sometimes yeah yeah like okay so if Scuzz was in a situation where he was over relaxed. Maybe they simply mean that you you don't seem to care about your actions or something like that, except for the fourth panel. <laughs> Which is like uh, Scott McCloud-esque understanding comics demonstration <laughs> of the creative use of comics panels. Because mm-hmm. the, the, the brain guy falls... Into the interior of the panel, so only his legs are sticking up. And he yells, help. Yeah. And I don't know what happened. I guess he just got over-relaxed. Relaxed? I guess, I guess. okay, so he's supposed to be the brain. So I guess you're right. If the brain gets over-relaxed when you're trying to drive or 
take a class, then mm-hmm. yes, I guess that's bad. You don't want your brain to get over-relaxed at the wrong time. Yeah. So I agree with the Brian. Yeah. That Brian knows what he's talking about. That the Brian. That... Wait, no, no, the Brian's wrong. <laughs> you no, know, yeah, you're right, you're right. It's like Hakuna Matata. Like, you're not supposed to listen to the guy. That's, like, that's a yeah. bad message. <laughs> it's, it is kind of a... If I had to point at a flaw in the book, it might be <laughs> this particular four panels. But I'm, I'm really glad they exist. And, 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 and like I said when I posted on social media, that first panel, man, like yep. th- that, that, would, that could be up in college dorm rooms across the nation. <laughs> they could make it – they could double their income, the Berenstain family, just by publishing that as a poster. Yeah, um, get get that on T Press right now. We sell a million shirts. Yeah. So the Cubs are all flipped out because Doctor Gert Grizzly explains to them about peer pressure and how that you know we know the whole song and dance. That's what pressures Cubs into doing drugs. Um, they don't want to be uncool. And brother knows what it's like to be pressured, and sister knows what it's like to be pressured. They actually mentioned the events of the Berenstain Bears and the In Crowd when Queenie McBear mm. pressures the girls to uh, to wear. The same kind of clothes she does, and I was like, "Well, that's a nice little callback, like to a to a previous book." There's a little continuity there. We know that these cubs, we know that this book takes place firmly within Bear Country continuity. Is there a scene in a different book where the two tall gang surrounds brother, clucking at him like a chicken? Yes, and I can't remember which book it is, and that's driving me nuts. But yeah, there's a one where they they do cluck like chickens. There might be several where they do that, like. Too Tall and his gang are the worst at taunting. Like, <laughs> their taunts consist of clucking like a chicken and making up really bad rhyming poems about the other cubs that they obviously work really, really hard on, but that aren't very good. Like, that's it. That's the extent of their of their ridicule. Yeah, I heard you talking about this on a previous episode. And I gotta say, I wonder which came first, the two tall gang or Biff Tannen and his gang? <laughs> uh, well, I guess, chronologically, I guess it would be two tall and his gang. Oh, okay, so there we go. Because, yeah. I mean, he's got the same problem. He's, he's terrible at insults. Uh, he just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so, so Gert Grizzly chases them out of her office. They go to the police station. To finally hand over the drugs and the photograph to uh, Chief Bruno. But he's too busy. He's too busy to talk to a bunch of kids about drugs. <laughs> so they decide to do the most dangerous thing of all, which is head into the swamp to go spy on Raffish Ralph and see if they can't figure out just what's going on with this whole drug situation. This is actually the second time in the book they are rebuffed, basically, by police officers. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, we got to tell you something. Nope, they're driven away. Oh, I got to tell you something. Nope, the elevator went up. Well, and my, uh, my girlfriend also pointed out that this is very Harry Potter. Like, the three kids are trying to get to the bottom of something very serious, and none of the they, – they never just come out and tell any adults. That's true. And the adults they try to tell anything to blow them off. I do feel like Harry Potter himself has more of a, like, no, I don't really want to tell you kind of situation yeah. going on. <laughs> that's they, true. That's they true. Are, these guys are, like, winding up, like, no, no, seriously, i got to show you what I have here. Like, Harry I literally Potter's have a pocket like, full of drugs. I'm going to tell you something after I collect all the evidence and almost get <laughs> myself killed. Well, these cubs almost get themselves killed. True. Let's talk about Raffish Ralph's swinging houseboat. <laughs> this is the part that reminded me most of Miami Vice, because it seemed like episodes of Miami Vice always ended up on somebody's houseboat. Yes, well. With a locker full of drugs. I mean, that's what people with drug money tend to have, houseboats, I think. Yeah, so he lives in a houseboat on, on the river, but it's like the gross, becalmed part of the river. It's all green scum covering the murky water. Yeah, he's just like downriver from the swamp. He's not that far away. Yeah. It says clouds of tiny bugs and mosquitoes swarmed around the houseboat. Um, So the cubs break in, which is completely illegal. And uh, they find a closet full of drugs right there in Raffish Ralph's boat. It's only illegal if you get caught. 
I guess that's true. They get they get <laughs> caught though. They fully admit what they do. That is correct. They do get caught. And drugs are always illegal. Um, and so, like right there, we've just got this closet full of drugs. Like, brother takes a picture. They hear Raffish Ralph coming or Ralph Ripoff. I keep calling him by the wrong name. They jump into the river and they escape with their with their evidence. Like, and as far as we're concerned, maybe Ralph Ripoff's kind of a bad guy. Two two important things about this besides that. Uh, one, before they enter the boat, they see our uh, trench coat wearing gentleman. Oh, you're right. Yes. And so that just adds to more of the suspicion thing. And two, Ralph has a parrot. Mm-hmm. Is I mean, this parrot seems pretty important. I think... Once again... We're in Twin Peaks uh, territory, right? Because it only repeats like Raffish Ralph's like it it, it 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 repeats Raffish Ralph's terms, but only within like plot specific points. So like it tells the Cubs to get out when they get on the boat, and then when they're in trouble, it says into the drink, into the drink. Um, <laughs> and what was the situation where Ralph was yelling into the drink? <laughs> I think that's what he yells before he starts drinking. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Um. So, uh, uh, and I think, I think, I believe the parrot's a holdover from the cartoon. I believe I they see. worked it in just because he had this parrot in the cartoon. And so they were just like, and here's his parrot that you all remember, kids, I guess. Because what's funny is any kids reading this in 1993 would not even have been able to, like, watch the cart. Like, it would have been, this was eight years after the cartoon was on TV. So, oh, wow. We're talking like a few, a, a, a half generation removed. But they finally, finally get back to Bear Country Police Station and give their evidence, dripping, soaking and dripping, give their evidence to Police Chief Bruno. They say the ugly rumor rumor is the kingpin. He's been selling drugs. And then Ralph Ripoff comes in and hands over all the drugs from his houseboat. Yep. I was expecting him to be like, all this candy is here for the kids. That's what I thought. I thought you were going to find out the whole thing was just a bunch of candy. And nope, it's tens of thousands of dollars worth of drugs. It's almost like they they could have gone longer in the book, like actually setting up Ralph as the scapegoat. But they were like, uh, we better wind this up. Uh, yeah. Oh, Ralph, don't worry. We know you're innocent. I mean, of this crime. Right, you are you are literally the town criminal, but we're we're gonna we're gonna let this one go. Yeah, he's like, someone put on, and this is like, this sounds like a guilty person where he's like, someone put all these drugs in my boat. Yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> oh my gosh, who put these drugs in my pocket? Like it's just it's this like, I guess the fact that he's being proactive about it is 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 the tip off that he's not the guilty party here, but. Uh, uh, yeah, he he brings the drugs in, and they and the kids are just like, Wait, what what what's going on? And yep. Ralph is actually like taken aback that they think he's a drug dealer because he's like, what, what are you talking about? No, I'm not a drug dealer. Like he's how could you how could you think that about me, little cubbies? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just ripping off your parents left and right, but I I'd never hurt you. Right, I've tr- I mean I've tried to hurt you financially. By making your father lose all of his money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, that's a more long-term thing. Uh, ruined your life through a different means. Not directly. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't want to watch you physically waste away. You'll be, <laughs> you'll be Ralph's children now. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> I heard you broke onto my boat. <laughs> um, so then Officer Marguerite walks in with the ugly rumor and the Cubs freak out, and they're like, arrest him, arrest him. And then you find out the ugly rumor isn't a drug dealer either. What? He is an undercover, I, I guess undercover. He's not doing a very good job at remaining undercover. but <laughs> Under trench coat. <laughs> he's a detective from the city, Detective O'Brunahan. Of course. I mean, if you see somebody in a trench coat, they're either a drug kingpin or an undercover detective. That is just facts for facts. <laughs> With a big ugly scar on his face, we never do get the "you want to know how I got this scar" scene. <laughs> like I was kind of hoping for that. Like I was hoping that they would be like kids, you know, like you shouldn't have like you shouldn't have like bothered with this. Like you shouldn't have gotten involved in this. Yeah. Let me tell you, like that's how I got this scar on my face. But we never got that moment. But it's a I, huge scar. I hated my papa. <laughs> <laughs> Caught him dealing drugs. Yeah. Um. Nope. 
It's not Detective O'Brunahan. It's not Ralph Ripoff. Who is the drug kingpin? Well, we only have like nine characters in the book, so I'm <laughs> guessing it's the mayor. <laughs> no, no, no. Not who's in control of all the drugs. Oh, oh, oh sorry. <laughs> Who are they just after in this book? Why, it's probably the, the people that were doing the most illegal things earlier in the book. The Bog Brothers. Oh, the no. ones who live in Forbidden Bog. This is just uh, clearly classist, uh, like, discrimination here. It really kind of is. Yeah. It's kind of ugly when you look at it, like, a little deeper than just on the surface. These are poor, poor bears. Mm -hmm. Like, they're dressed in rags, and they live out in the swamp. And so, of course, they're the drug kingpins. And we never have to talk about them again. They spit tobacco on the floor of the... uh, of the police station, which I'm, is amazing. That's just offensive. Like, they have total contempt for the law. Yeah. Um, var- they, they, they get called out for killing endangered species, to which their response is, varmints is varmints, uh, which is amazing. <laughs> the thing that makes me sad is that there are people that actually feel that way. <laughs> oh, of course. And they all live in the swamp. Yep. They're all dealing happy pills. <laughs> and first of all, I'm like, where did they get the happy pills? Like, this is... Again, what's the mayor been up to? This goes somewhere. Like, this isn't... They weren't manufacturing these things in their distillery. One of these guys is the Heisenberg of the situation. I think it's probably the one who's smiling the whole time. (laughs) Well, obviously, like, there's more to this story than we know, but they're not going to bring the Cubs in on the finer points of drug manufacture and distribution. And so, obviously, (laughs) since the Cubs were wrong about everything else, I guess the whole thing with Too Tall buying drugs from the trench coat guy had to have just been a huge misunderstanding right yeah he was just buying candy like like we thought originally exactly it was just oh no wait he was dealing drugs to the trench coated man oh oh. he was selling drugs to an undercover cop why he would sell drugs to the mysterious stranger who just floated into town, again, he probably shouldn't be the school drug dealer. <laughs> uh, you know, is there a uh, juvenile, uh, you know, hall for bear country? I'm just, because that's where Too Tall is now. We don't ever find out if any other cubs besides Too Tall's gang have been using drugs. Like, that just, that, that is totally brushed aside. We know right. that Too Tall has been selling drugs, and we know that one of his gang has been using, but we don't know who all Too Tall has been selling to, or where he's got. Okay, so, the, if the how he got them from the Bog Brothers in the first place, or where the Bog Brothers got the drugs from for their own distribution, like this goes somewhere, and we're not privy to any of that information. Yeah, I mean, they they wrap it up like a, a children's detective story probably would be wrapped up, but yeah, they're, they're this seems like it would have deep seated uh, repercussions in the community at the very least oh of course like the school like gang is going to juvie yeah like for at least at least at least they're 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 going for at least like a couple of nights while until like they're hearing yeah. like i'm sure they'll be let off like it's bear country <laughs> you know boys will be the old boys will be boys rule but uh uh I mean, I'm sure that they'll be let off of the warning or maybe, like, time served or something. But still, like, from this point on, they're the drug dealers. Mm. Like, that's not easy to live down. I don't think, yeah, I don't think they're in danger of going anywhere because they're they're definitely not minorities. So <laughs> chances well, are they're just going to walk away with a slap <laughs> on the wrist. And I'm going to let you know right now. That Too Tall and his gang's drug use and drug dealing never gets brought up again, as far as I know. In none of the chapter books I've read that come after this has anyone ever mentioned the fact that Too Tall and his gang were caught dealing drugs. Well, this is another important lesson for uh, the children that will be reading this. That is, once you get caught doing this thing, you'll never, ever do it again. (laughs) Right. Well, drugs are done now in bear country. I I guess drugs are done then. Um... There, I mean, we, there is a, actually a pretty good lesson at the end that Sister lays out. There's, a, there's also a really quick hidden lesson in here that I want to make sure and point out. Um, we do find out that Ralph Ripoff had invited them to his houseboat because he needed some, like, gangplank fixing up and the weeds in his path getting pulled. Um, 
because his parrot who is his parrot is upset about it yes um, he, he talks his about parrot. his parrot like they're kind of like life partners i guess absolutely so who knows who knows what happens in the life of ralph ripoff he walks off twirling his cane um but the point that i was really impressed by i listened to uh, several like true crime podcasts mm. and one of the things they always point out with like crimes that were being investigated in like the late 70s early 80s was there was this shift in crime investigation uh, like this whole school of thought that was like being written about and taught to detectives and police officers, which is it seems obvious now, but it's it wasn't obvious then, which is to not investigate a crime only is to only investigate a crime based on the evidence. Don't come up with a with a theory and then investigate towards that because it's always right. going to lead you astray. Right. You can find evidence pointing towards a theory in almost any situation. Exactly. And Chief Bruno says, you'd already decided that Detective O'Brunahan was the drug kingpin, so your mind forced everything you saw to fit with that idea. A typical mistake of beginning detectives. And I read that and I was like, that is a typical mistake of beginning detectives. There were, there were whole massive crimes that weren't solved for years because of that. Like, I was like, forget the drugs, kids. If you learn nothing else from this book, learn how to be better detectives. Mm-hmm. It's all about like the uh, uh, maintaining your better perceptions, you know, even when it comes to like uh, because they talk about how they became addicted to the thrill yes. of the uh, the detective case. And that's another good point. Like you can become de- addicted to lots of things, not just drugs. And you just need to be careful. Yeah, and they were like, but doing detective work isn't bad for you, like drugs. And he was like, yeah, well, it is if it keeps you from doing your schoolwork. Yeah, or if it gets you, <laughs> Or if it gets you shot on a houseboat yeah. <laughs> by, the, by the Swamp Brothers. Cause you, and he says, like, you need to leave this kind of stuff to the adults. Like, this isn't, you don't, you don't get involved in stuff like this. Like, this is dangerous work. Those, those uh, the, the, uh, the Bog Brothers are, they're bad people. Like... They're violent and they're angry and like they will hurt you. Yeah, first you're looking for Miss O'Leary's pumpkin and then Bearton Sugar's after you. <laughs> I don't. I would. I now I want to see that book. Yes, I do also. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, but he still says, you know, like you did a good job. Like thanks, thanks for all your help, Cubs. Regardless, thanks for all your help. But then you said that Sister had a good point to make about a lesson learned in this book. Yes, she says, let me get that thing here. I think the only drug-free zone that means anything is the one in your heart and mind. And I think that is basically true. Like, you could be surrounded by a terrible situation. You know, there, there you could have people smoking pot next door or, or you know, uh, people that you're friends with doing that stuff like that. And if it's important to you, to be drug free then that's that's really the it, it's all about your brain it's all about your heart it doesn't really matter what everyone else is doing although i don't know if i explained that very well what i'm saying is kids <laughs> don't bow into that bandwagon okay no i agree and i like that it's a little it's a little bit of a dig at the notion of the drug free zone yes definitely like, like these signs aren't really going to stop anything you've got to teach kids not just don't do drugs, but, like, give them something else to do. Like, keep kids busy. Like, uh, make sure they're engaged. Like, if you don't want them doing those drugs, then you've got to come up with an alternative. And, yeah, that's how you create a drug-free zone is to just create kids who just aren't interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but not, you know, self-righteous about it because they're no. kind of the worst, too. Yeah. You don't want to be those kids. You don't want to be like I was in high school. Yeah, kids, don't be a Joel or a Phil. Yeah, that's the worst. If you learn nothing else from this episode, don't be like either of us. You could end up with a podcast when you're an adult. Yeah, or two. Jeez. Or three. That's Uh, the saddest thing of all. I'm so sorry. (laughs) So, Joel. Wait, did you say he has three podcasts? Oh, no. (laughs) What did you think of the Berenstain Bears and the Drug Free Zone? Uh, I'm a little bit ashamed to say that I actually enjoyed this quick little read. 
most of the things I've been trying to read recently are, are pretty dense because yeah. I, I'm trying to learn about a historical subject or get into a book that I've specifically avoided. And so just like sitting down for, you know, less than an hour and just breezing through this. And, it, you know, it, it's a fun little detective tale right there. And it handles, like we said, there's a whole bunch of things that get handled pretty well for a book that's supposed to uh, emphasize that they want you to stay drug free. I, I've I've read so many heavy handed, like terrible things are going to happen to you, Spider Man or whatever, you know, <laughs> from back in the day. That this is like, oh, that wasn't so bad. They actually treated they. I think it helps that they kind of treat the kids like they're. Uh, like fully thinking adults and not kids like and that's bad little cubs don't do right. that you know this we're talking to you straight here well and i like that they you know you have sister who's a little more naive because she's younger but you have brother who's not as taken in by the rhetoric and he's a little more eye-rolly about the whole thing like i was expecting because this book this book gets brought up on like pop culture blogs a lot like, the craziest children's books you didn't know existed. <laughs> and this one's always brought up, like, did you know there was a Berenstain Bears book about drugs? And Whoa. and it gets and so it gets positioned as just another, like, stupid, uh, an, an artifact of the don't do drugs era. Yeah. Just another useless PSA that, you know, you'll, you'll roll your eyes at and that kids aren't going to learn anything from. But I think it actually has content. And a sense of danger and this sense of, like, you don't – I like that the Cubs get called out for, like, overstepping their bounds and that, 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 they, that they don't solve the mystery in, re, in real life. Like, usually the bear detectives are the only ones smart enough to solve the crime. And this one, it's the police who solve it. Yeah. And the Cubs just sort of get involved. But I like that I like that, that element's there. I like that, that Dr. Gert Grizzly has some – you know, it may not be the most like it may not be the most chill things to say about recreational drugs. No. I mean, there's there's there you can as children get older, you have to learn to talk to them on their level about things like this because it is a it is a tough world to navigate. But I think she says some very factual things, and uh, I actually really like well, like you said, I thought it was a fun read. Uh, I read it twice in one day, and I was just like, this is I I found myself entertained by this book. Um, so yeah, I give it. I give it a, a big thumbs up. It is not available in ebook as as we discovered. Um, so if you're gonna if you want to buy it, you have to buy a used copy. Yeah, probably um, treated probably because it is treated as an artifact, like you were saying. I hate the, I hate lists like that so much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, they're usually they're usually so lazy and like. Uh, I mean, the whole point of my show is to treat these books like they're worthy of investigation from a from a serious standpoint so you know like i roll my eyes at that like my goal is to not be that kind of a thing and uh and yeah i think but i do think it's weird that too tall grizzly ended up being a drug dealer <laughs> yeah like that's just that's just kind of nuts um but anyway joel before we go tell our listeners where they can find you and what you are all about well, if you want to hear some more of my drug-free uh, entertainment, which uh, that's that's what we do. We're under the drug-free label on iTunes. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Super popular. Me and my co-hosts, uh, Aaron and Sarah, do a podcast called Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space. Every week we watch a different science fiction or fantasy movie, and we, we just talk about it like friends. We're, we're not experts. We're just... No, two of us are at least nerds, <laughs> and uh, we just have fun talking about different stuff. We do, we do random movies, we do well-known movies, lots of good stuff, and uh, we have guests on, Phil, hint, Phil, eventually. <laughs> oh. Uh, the other show I do is uh, with Spencer Seams, we do a podcast called High and Low, a Kurosawa podcast. We watch a Kurosawa movie and then a corresponding Japanese movie from the same year, uh, separated by two weeks, and just talk about uh, compare and contrast. It's it's basically an excuse for me and Spencer to be able to watch a lot of Japanese movies and talk about them. That's awesome. And uh, you know, uh, Kurosawa is one of those masterclass uh, directors, so it's a bit more serious than uh, PDSM iOS. But we uh, we have fun. 
Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, uh, as as, uh, as someone who does my own movie podcast, uh, I don't talk about it much on the show here, but I have a show called It's Del Toro Time that I do with my 15-year-old, uh, Ollie, and we watch the movies of Guillermo del Toro and discuss them, and del Toro-adjacent films. Uh, and it is nice to have, like, a podcast that gives you an excuse to do something you kind of want to do anyway. Yes. That's basically I started Please Don't Send Me Out of Outer Space so that we would have to watch a movie at least once a week. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And you can't not because you got listeners. Exactly. Yeah, now. <laughs> and so where can we find these wonderful podcasts? Uh, they're available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the usual places that you can find podcast just search please don't send me an outer space or high and low a kurosawa podcast fantastic and if you're looking to find this show we're at berenstainbearcast.wordpress.com you can find us on twitter at bstainbearcast or you can write to me at uh, berenstainbearcast at gmail.com and like i said i actually have a couple other podcasts i do i do it's del toro time with my teenager ollie uh it's a little more pg-13 than this show but uh we don't you know we don't go around dropping any swearing words or anything, but uh, because we're discussing movies that are rated R at times, you know, we talk about subjects that are a little a little touchier. So kid, little kids, maybe you may not want them to listen to it, but we keep it clean. And uh, my other show I host with John McCoy, and it is called Click It Cast, a Beverly Cleary podcast, and it is a Beverly Cleary podcast. <laughs> so, uh, Joel, thank you so much for being on my show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was absolutely <clears throat> sorry. It was an absolute delight talking about this particular book, and I really enjoy your work, sir. Oh, thank you so much. And everyone else, we will see you all next time deep, deep in, in bear country. Bear, bear, bear country. Cunt, cunt. I did it. It's always difficult. Yay. Goodbye. <laughs>